You're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. Hey guys, welcome back to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. So glad you're joining me. You know, as you know, I normally interview best practices, the top operators in the country, companies that can really help you with technology or service or finance, you know, to improve your business. But interestingly, I'm speaking with a 20-year veteran chiropractor, Dr. Kelly Henry, who literally reinvented himself after this illustrious chiropractic career to become a business coaching consultant specializing in superior customer service. We're going to talk all about his philosophies that began with hiring for approach and attitude versus experience and how he believed that he could train the rest. And that has always been my philosophy. And then we go on to things like never, ever reprimand someone in public in front of their peers, to praise four times versus a one-time reprimand, but always pull people aside and maintain their, you know, their self-esteem. We're going to talk all about some key nuggets of information about training philosophies and a template for training and how you can put very basic concepts in place that will yield tremendous dividends in your business. But what really struck me was how a 5% increase in your customer retention through superior service can actually lead to up to a 90% increase in the profits of your business. More important now during the pandemic than ever. So stay tuned with us. We cover a lot of ground. Again, lots of key learnings here. This is a great episode. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. And these are, of course, engaging topics that help restaurants build their brands, rock their profits, And in this case, specifically, deliver amazing customer service experiences. With me today, Dr. Kelly Henry, who is a business coach and consultant and a former 20-year chiropractor with multiple clinics that he started from scratch. So I'm really excited to have you on the show today. Thanks so much, Kelly, for joining me. Thank you, Roger. I really appreciate the opportunity. So this is a little unconventional because as, as you know, our audience is aware, most of our conversation is focused on interviewing, you know, restaurant leaders or technology companies. And we really, you know, aim to give back to the restaurant industry itself and give them practical advice and best practices on how to improve their business. And that's why this conversation with you today is so relevant. So what the audience doesn't know is you were a 20-year chiropractor. And you started your practice from scratch. So I'd really like to start there because I think that laid the foundations for our topic of conversation today. Is that true? That is correct. So let me give you the backstory. So I I started my chiropractic career in uh, New Mexico and uh, we moved to a community near where my wife is from. And actually, I I was able to buy out a practice. So um, I didn't exactly start that one from scratch, but I did start two others from scratch. Okay. Anyways, we get to this community, and it's a smaller community, lots of businesses. Uh, these businesses, most of them had been established for years, and they just didn't uh, necessarily feel like they needed to provide great customer service. And I just hated the way I was being treated in a lot of these businesses. Not all of them, but many of them, where I was an inconvenience. I you know, wasn't welcome. You know, it was just hurry up and, and get what you need and get out. And just I, like I said, I just hated that. And so... I made a conscious decision that my practice was not going to be that way. We were going to treat our customers, our patients superiorly. We were going to make them feel valued and special uh, for doing business with us. And so that's what basically just backed me into, you know, focusing on better customer service in my practices. 
Well, as we, we did that, we started noticing that, uh, you know, the patients liked it. And they commented on it a lot. And they told my staff about it. And they told me about it. Man, we love coming here, just the way we're treated and how you make us feel. Um, and that's what ultimately started me on this focus is, hey, there's something to this. Let me start researching it. Let me start putting other pieces in play. How can we do this better? Um, and just has evolved through the years and ultimately has uh, caused me to be where I'm at now. So there are many people, I'm sure, that worked with you in your practice, especially with multiple clinics. So obviously you had to maintain this, this consistency of superior service across multiple clinics. But before you even had multiple clinics, let's talk about the staff in an individual clinic per se. And you must have had some sort of, besides the philosophies that are so ingrained in what we're talking about, you know, you must have had some training, some, some, you know, onboarding of new staff. And that was your company culture, is it not? That, that's correct. And that, that all developed through, through the years of getting better at um, how the staff was to be trained. The, the, the first thing that I had to learn was you need to hire the right staff, obviously. That's a big correct. part Absolutely uh, for true. any business. And my philosophy was, and my number one rule and what I coach now is higher attitude first. Higher attitude first, and then you can train the back end. Um, there's some gray areas to that, but if you can hire a bubbly, friendly, customer service oriented person, then you're already ahead of the game on having to train them. And sometimes that's not always the case, but if you can do that first, uh, that's important. One other big piece to um, training the staff and to having the staff be on the same page as me was changing my attitude. Um, and I had the wrong attitude for many years in regard to, I looked at my staff as a liability and that they were only there to collect a paycheck and I had to be on top of every little detail otherwise they were gonna mess up. And one of my coaches, and I've been coached for many years and still being coached, he called me on that and said, hey, listen, you need to look at your staff as an asset, treat them as a team, and starts making sure you're commenting on the things they're doing good because they're doing way more good than they are doing bad. And that shifted the whole mindset of my, my staff um, and put them in a, in a place where, hey, I'm valued here in, my, in this office. You know, Dr. Henry values me, he appreciates what I do. And then in turn, they can value the patients and make them feel valuable. So the, the bottom line is it's impossible for you to treat your staff and your employees bad and then expect them to turn around and treat the customers, the clients, the consumers well. So now you're talking about a system where you work on your business so that you decide in the future how you work, if you work there at all. You know, it's relying on your good people. Now, as a chiropractor, I'm assuming that you practiced for, for most of those years and that you weren't an absentee owner of a large growing practice. You were still a practicing chiropractor, so you were able to be on site every day. Did you travel to your different clinics and treat different clients or patients at different clinics so that you could kind of make sure that the big picture was always following those philosophies? I did some degree, but like you said, I was very active in my own clinic. I had uh, associate doctors that I, it, it gave me some flexibility, but I love the aspect of practicing. So I never distanced myself from that until I actually retired. Um, what I did though, is I would hire associates, train them in my main clinic, and then I would place them in the, in the other locations. So they really got a taste and feel and understood the culture and what was to be expected um, and knew how this was going to work. So when they got into the other clinic, 
they could uh, they could follow just along. You know, I used to tell them, hey, I'm giving you keys to a Lamborghini here. You know, just follow what I've done. We've got a pretty good system here. Just just stay within the lines and, and you're going to do pretty good. So the people that you hired, we already said that you, you know, you start with attitude and the approach to the job first, and then other, you know, the other aspects of the job can be trained. That is excellent philosophy for restaurants to follow, of course. You know, start with that core ingredient of the right person and then train from there. Was recognition and rewards part of that philosophy? Did you recognize people for outstanding performance? And did you have like employee of the week and special perks and benefits? Like that's all important as well. Absolutely. And we did. So we, uh, I, I very individualized, like to recognize different employees. And it, it wasn't always the same one, obviously, because that just harbors you know, yes, resentment. Correct. So, mm-hmm. you know, spread the wealth, find, you know, the individual doing something great or when they went above and beyond and recognize them in front of their peers or recognize the group as a whole just for a great week or a great month. Um, and really that, that uh, we, we tried the employee of the month and the employee of the week and that type of thing, but just being conscious and, and, and finding those individual areas on a daily basis, they love that as much as anything. So uh, we kind of suspended the employee of the month and the employee of the uh, day situations. We incentivized two on a volume basis. So how many patients we were treating a day or a week and what we found was that really kept the the employees focused on uh, retention because that's you know that's what a business is about. Uh, you want to get a customer, you want to keep a customer, you want to keep a patient, and then you want to make a profit. And too many businesses focus on just getting a customer but not retaining them. So I wanted them to have an active part in helping to retain the patients. And when we did that, they got a monetary incentive. Um, and that helped them also not just say, hey, you know, if we see three patients today, big deal, or if we see 100 patients today, I want them to focus on the, the higher volume um, because the more patients we see, obviously, the more lives we can change and the healthier we could help uh, our patients get. You know, that's very interesting and somewhat coincidental because I would say last week I was just driving in my car listening to the radio and an ad came on for a chiropractic practice which really struck me because I'm, I'm not seeing a chiropractor now, my wife is, but I listened to this ad because the whole bent behind the ad is, and, and this is not to slam the profession in any way, but they use this as somewhat of a hook to convince potential patients that this particular practice really cares about your wellness and that they're not gonna just string you along with multiple visits that you really don't need. They're gonna focus in on the problem, they're gonna find it, they're gonna treat it as soon as possible, and then they're gonna thank you very much and hopefully you never have to come back again because we cured your problem. Whereas in the mindset of the consumer, it's like, ah, they're gonna milk this out, you know, it's like this is gonna be 20 visits and sure my insurance pays a portion, but it's gonna cost me blah, blah, blah. And I have no way of knowing as a consumer where the reality is, because I'm not an expert, and I, I rely on the professionalism of the delivery, uh, you know, of the practice. So I found that as an interesting marketing hook, and I'm sure that has a lot to do with your philosophy in in service as well. Uh, can you speak to that that whole idea of what I just mentioned? Absolutely, and it's you know, it like you said, it's a philosophy, and every chiropractor has a different philosophy, so to speak. Um, the key is the communication to the patients of what that philosophy is and have and making sure they have a clear understanding of what they may or may not need 
from my services, from a chiropractor services. Uh, the thing that patients don't realize or don't make a connection with is, you know, they, they maintain everything in their life, uh, their car, their house, their, you know, uh, yes, whatever. So everything's maintained, but then they don't think about maintaining their health. And so that was a big philosophy in my offices. Hey, you know, I can adjust you. That's not going to necessarily make you, um, it's not going to cure all your ills and make you healthy for the remainder of your life because life is stressful and there's stress on your body constantly. So chiropractic is a piece of it, but you also need to eat better and you need to exercise a little bit and drink some water and take some supplementation, but all that together is going to help you be healthier. And once we communicated that patients really that kind of click that, Oh yeah, you're, you're right. That, yeah, you got me out of low back pain, but if I want to keep my spine healthy, my nervous system a little bit healthier, I may need to maintain it because life never stops, stress never stops, um, and we want to we want to not only get it well but keep it well. Let's talk about how you monitored the end result of the care that you were providing through your staff uh, in terms of a service excellence. You know, a, a patient may visit for the very first time. I get the sense that they were treated as if they were an old friend, not just a first-time patient, and Absolutely. that they were welcomed in the door, and they were treated like, you know, like I said, you know, like they've been there for months and months and months or even years, even though it was their very first visit. But then there's the follow-up, the little touches, the give them the extra special so that you touch them in a personal way, not just physically correcting their issue, but, you know, emotionally connecting with them. How did you monitor that and, and did do you have uh, some sort of customer feedback policy or did people just randomly leave you great reviews online or a combination of all those things? Like, tell us about that. <laughs> Basically a combination. So yeah. our mission statement, and this is what I coach my clients now to adopt this mission statement was to be the best part of the patient's day or the customer's day or the consumer's day. And to me, that encompasses all that is right about customer service, to be the best part of their day. Um, you never know what a, a patient, a consumer, a customer is going through on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and so the focus is to be proactive, to put a smile on their face, to make them feel important, valued, like a rock star uh, when they come into that business. Um, and that, that goes a very long way. Um, you know, we, we got feedback regularly, unsolicited, unsolicited feedback from patients. Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, they'd come back and say, Hey, you know, I was, I was so down a couple of weeks ago when I was in here and you guys just put a smile on my face, made me feel better. It didn't change the circumstances of what, what was going on in my day, but it made me look at it different, made me feel better about myself. And I was able to handle those circumstances better. We got that all the time. We also, you know, we also solicited for surveys and for recommendation and then getting reviews, you know, the Google reviews are always important. Um, but the one thing that, that a lot of businesses miss is surveying patients or customers, obviously, um, and looking for the negatives. Because that's how you improve when you have those negatives, when something happens, when there's there's an off uh, somewhere, that's what you need to look at. Yeah, you have 14,000 five-star reviews, you know, then you have three or four one-star and you just brush those aside because you have so many five-stars. We need to look at those one-star reviews. Um, you need to talk to those, those patients or consumers that um, there was something off because rarely will people complain. And when right. they do, you need to listen because they are voicing for a good segment of people probably have the same concern or the same issue. And that's where you need to lock into those. 
And that's ultimately what will help you improve your customer service leaps and bounds. And then sitting back and saying, hey, I've got, you know, so many five-star reviews, we're doing good. Because that's, that's, a, that's a trap that many, many businesses get themselves into. Um, and yet their customer service, they think, is one level. And the consumer says, no, it's actually down here. But they do not see that gap. Were there any specific ways that you surveyed your, your patients? Um, you know, different businesses handle this different ways. You know, I recently has, had a visit to a car dealership that during the pandemic is doing all these things to sort of get people in the door, give free automobile inspections, you know, cut their labor rates, you know, and, and I was super impressed with this dealership. And after I left the dealership, the very next day, a representative called me on the phone and asked me very quickly about my experience and if everything was to my satisfaction, was everything repaired correctly, you know, how were you treated? And I was happy to answer those things because, again, sure. I felt like I was special, not just a, I came in, I paid my bill, they fixed my car, and I never heard from them again. You know, there are different ways of handling this, but how did you handle, you know, querying your patients on the, the care they received and the service they received? Absolutely. You know, we live in a day and age, like you just mentioned, we get a survey for everything we purchase or any business mm -hmm. you go to it, you know, and to me, it kind of drives me nuts because most of the time the service is mediocre, you know, but yet they want that, you know, they want that five star review. And so um, I'm, I'm a very simplistic guy. We did things very simplistically. Basically, we just surveyed the, the, the patients um, and it was a two question survey. Um, but we always prefaced it as, hey, we are trying to do business better for you. We're trying to make this business better for you. And so we would like your, your in, uh, input. Can, on a scale of one to 10, where would you place our service for you? And anything less than an eight, then the second question is, hey, do you mind if we contact you and uh, see where we failed, where we can, where we can improve? That's it. Um, that's all we needed to know. Um, if it was less than eight, hey, let's see where the problem is. Let's fix those holes. Let's fix those gaps. Um, you know, and maybe it was just a patient having a bad day and simply just calling them, talking to them about it, empathizing with them, apologizing, whatever we need to do to make things right. That went a long ways as well. But just keeping it simple. Make sure first you say, hey, we want to make this business better for you. Would you please help us with a quick survey? Two questions, take you 10 seconds, um, those two questions, and then move forward with it. So in the restaurant business, you know, I'm quick to say, and my audience hears this all the time, but I believe this business, restaurants, running restaurants, is one of a thousand details. And so many owners and so many GMs have so many different fires that they're constantly trying to put out that somehow, for whatever reason, training, as, as important as it is, kind of falls by the wayside and isn't made job one, priority one, training the staff, building the foundational team that we call the dream team. And in that training day to day, you know, so many restaurants out there can use just a head start and a, a basic template and a framework. So if we could attempt to do that right now, I want to ask you, Pretend I am a new employee that's going to work in one of your clinics. Maybe I'm a receptionist that greets people when they come through the door, gives them the paperwork to fill out, all that kind of stuff. Maybe I'm the office manager. Whoever front of house interacts with a patient the very first time, I'm a new employee and you've just hired me now. What would I expect the training to be like and what am I going to go through and what am I going to learn and how long will this take and how often will it take place before I'm like, you know, a rock star, like you say, and I'm ready to treat your patients with that utmost of care and service. Well, 
in my philosophy is they were going to that that was the core concept the very first thing they were going to do i don't care how much you know on the back end of all the details that need to be taken care of for the job the goal number one for any employee was they were going to treat each patient uh friendly like a rock star important so they can mess everything else up but they were going to have the right attitude and they were going to have the philosophy of this patient is valued and I'm going to make them feel valued every time I interact with them. So that was just, that was just no questions about it. That's what's going to happen. And then we're going to go from there. The, the problem that I see so many businesses and I deal with so many businesses, restaurants and, and you name it, across the board, chiropractors is they get, like you said, they get caught up in the details. Um, they say we have great customer service. We champion great customer service. Um, but again, they're not, their actions don't speak as loud right. or their actions speak louder than their words. Um, and that comes from top down. Um, so again, it goes back to, if I'm not treating my employees right, I'm not valuing them. They in turn can't value the customer, the patient, the, the consumer. And so we have to be so careful on that. Mm -hmm. Once we establish that, then training is always ongoing. Um, I, I learned that that was a hard lesson to learn you just have to keep training when you when you think an employee's got it and they're doing fabulous with it if you slack off if you ease up a little bit uh, you know they tend things tend to uh tend to get off track so you have to be careful with that and it's not to crack the whip it's just to hey let's this is our philosophy this is what we're doing let's stay focused on this every day every patient every interaction and make sure this this is priority number one um and i didn't do you know, I didn't do hour long trainings every week. I did, we called it a morning huddle. We got focused. If there was a couple of details we needed to work on, we would talk about that. Let's get retrained on that. Let's focus on that and move forward. And just that little snippet, you know, that little bit of training every day, cumulatively uh, went a whole lot farther than sitting down with my staff for an hour at a time every week and taking, you know, taking time out of their lunch or whatever the case or after hours. They didn't like that when we can just focus on a little bit that went a long ways and it, it serves quite well. Excellent. I love the AM huddle idea. Let me ask you, did you find a balance between catching people doing things right? And then, you know, maybe, and, and criticism is too strong a word, but constructive criticism goes a long way in developing and nurturing a staff to, to overperform. And a book comes to mind, you know, the one minute manager by Clint Ken Blanchard, you know, is an old <laughs> classic that I use as sort of a framework, you know, one minute rep, one minute praise for catching them doing something right. And then a one minute, they call it a one minute reprimand where you literally correct the behavior. You make sure that the person understands what, where they deviated from the desired performance. And then they, they correct, they give their own answer on how they're going to correct it. And then you monitor that and, you know, the show must go on. Of course, did you find that balance in, you know, finding reprimands and finding praises and making sure that, you know, there was that everyone felt valued, but yet, you know, the, the whole organization rose because of that philosophy. Absolutely. So my philosophy was we want to praise four times as much as we give constructive criticism. So because again, those those employees are doing way more good than they are messing up or, you know, not following the philosophy correctly. So um, keep praising, keep praising. And, um, you know, and, and when you're praising the other employees in front of, you know, you know, collectively, and you're saying, hey, you're doing a great job, and you did this really well, well, the others see that. And they go, okay, I need to step up my game in that part. 
So you're almost constructively criticizing the other employees when you're praising somebody else. So they're like, oh yeah, I need to do that because I want to be acknowledged for it. So that worked quite well. Yeah. The, the other philosophy is praise in public and criticize in private. So if there's an issue and something that needs to be addressed, you take that employee aside, um, you let them save face, you keep their self-esteem intact. And then I love the, the sandwich method. And I think that came out of uh, Ken Blanchard's book as well. So, you know, you want to, you want to praise them for something. And then you want to follow up with the criticism. Hey, here's where, where we're falling off a little bit. I need you to do this and then praise them with something else at the end. And again, that's uh, that's a whole lot easier on their self-esteem. Um, again, it doesn't create resentment, resentment helps them focus on, Hey, this, you know, he just wants this to be better and, and help me to be a, uh, a great part of this team and move forward. So praise in public, criticize in private. I'm really glad you mentioned that because I have witnessed, even in businesses that I had no, you know, I was a customer in a business and I've actually seen, you know, staff criticized in front of customers, in front of other staff. I mean, you're absolutely dead on with that. So that is a key nugget that everyone, it seems like common sense, but there are certain managers out there that don't see it that way and that they think there's an example to be made in front of others. And that is the wrong approach. So thanks so much for bringing that up. Let's talk, about, let's talk about your experiences in restaurants, say pre-pandemic, during the pandemic, if you've had dining experiences in restaurants. And if you could sort of give us an objective viewpoint, because I know as a business owner and as a person of, of your experience and expertise, you know, I think we're closer to all these problems that we see in other businesses, and we're very sensitive to, you know, perhaps less than stellar service that we receive as consumers. But specifically in restaurants, you know, I used pre pre pandemic, I was traveling quite a bit, I was speaking quite a bit, coaching quite a bit with clients all over, and obviously I'm dining out on these road trips, you know. And I would always say nine times out of 10, I would get what I call the order taker. And they were providing very ordinary dining experiences. You know, they were taking the order, they were bringing the food and then, you know, delivering the check at the end of the meal and leaving so much service and money on the table and not providing an extraordinary experience. Would you say that pre-pandemic when you would eat out, what did you see? What were some of your experiences? And, you know, is what I'm saying resonating with you as a consumer? Absolutely. And to be honest with you, I, I can't say I, I've seen much of a difference from a lot of the restaurants I've been to. Um, like you said, it's just, you know, kind of order takers and it's, it's satisfactory service. The problem with satisfactory service is it's unremarkable, you know, and it's just, okay, that, you know, that was okay. Nothing, nothing special about it. You know, I'm not going to be excited to champion them or recommend my friends or family go to this restaurant. It's just ordinary. And what I've preached this whole year or since the pandemic started is now is the time to step up your service. Now is the time. It's more important than ever restaurant, chiropractor, whatever business you're in to step it up because as a consumer, we are more sensitive to good or bad service. Um, you know, and we're a little tighter with our wallets too. So we're not going to be as tolerant um, with the satisfactory or below average service than as we would have uh, pre-pandemic. So we have to be really careful with that. It's, it's, it's time to step it up. But when you step it up, you're going to shine. You know, the statistic is 80% of businesses provide at best average to below average levels of customer service. So if you can just push your, yourself up into that, 
that above average to superior, you are going to shine like a lighthouse. Um, and when that happens, major benefits. I mean, you get return customers, you, mm-hmm. you can charge a premium, you know, all the benefits of providing great, great service. So now is the time to step it up and, and make a difference in the customer service arena for any business. Totally agree with you there. So pre-pandemic, restaurants were, you know, just business as usual, providing average service, lackluster service. I always saw it as a competitive advantage. And of course, I'm not slamming the industry or speaking to the industry in general. But in my experiences, dining out, it happens more often than it should. And now the pandemic hits and all these restaurants are closing their doors and they limited hours and everyone's struggling just to make it out of this pandemic to get you know, down the road so that they can survive. And salesmanship is more important than ever. I've always believed that service and sales go together. They complement one another. And if you provide the superior level of service, it comes naturally that you can sell more product through superior product knowledge and the training approach with your staff and how you educate and inform and entertain your customers every day that naturally leads to. And that is so important right now. And again, there's so many restaurants out there that just don't find that connection. If they trained at all pre-pandemic, it was on service and maybe hospitality and what that means, but the salesmanship piece remains so important. And you know, I don't know how that fits in into chiropractic because you're performing a service, you're giving great service while you're performing a service, but it's not like you can make suggestions that raise the check average, you know, it's a little different. <laughs> That's true. Um, although, you know, if you're selling supplements or, you know, mm, if you have ancillary, uh, ancillary products, you know, you, you, like you said, you provide greater service, you have a connection, a bond with the patient, they're going to be more than likely to, you know, to listen to that and to maybe go forward and buy, uh, buy those things. So like you said, you know, salesmanship and service go hand in hand. Um, you know, to me, service is the key to everything because it enhances everything else a business will be able to do. So if you get the service correct, then yeah, the, the sales will be better, just all the other aspects, but it has to start with service. And so many businesses, you know, chiropractic restaurants, they're so, they're so sales minded. Okay. They're focused on sales, but they're not, they, they don't see where they really need to be service minded. And that's my goal. Let's shift that and get more service minded and the sales will take care of themselves. Let's talk about your tr- transition out of the practice. Did you sell your practice? Do you, you know, do you maintain control of those practices right now? Because now you're a business coach and consultant. You've written a book, which I want to talk about next. But how did you transition from, say, one career into the other? You reinvented <laughs> yourself, and now you're a service guru. Well, yeah, uh, that, that's a common question I get. So, you know, I mentioned what started my customer service journey, and, and that's, you know, I just saw the impact on my clinics and as I got more involved with that. So um, I knew I wanted to stick in that arena. And then I mentioned earlier on, I've been coached for years. You know, I've had business coaches, I've had personal coaches, speaking coaches, just all kinds of coaches. So I'm a firm believer in that. So I knew I wanted to, I wanted to coach because of obviously the impact that uh, on, on my life in that regard as well. So uh, 2018, I, I sold my practices. So I am part uh, owner um, on an earnout, um, so I still have a little bit of control, and and which is good because I can coach and, and function things. In fact, I was just at one of the clinics uh, 
last week. Um, and I still maintain my licenses. So I, I had fun adjusting a few patients and, and uh, being in the practice monitoring. Thing. Yeah, but, you probably uh, missed that right after such a long illustrious career. It's like you still want to get in the trenches and work with the key patients and not move away from it entirely. So you've struck a really nice balance there. Exactly. So I, you know, that's probably been the most difficult thing shifting and, and re uh, reinventing myself was being in front of patients, you know, day after day and moving from room to room to sitting here in front of computer day after day. So that's, uh, that's been interesting. That's been a little bit of a challenge, but, uh, but it's been good, but um, sold everything in 2018 and then have moved this way into the coaching consulting realm. I actually just worked with chiropractors when I initially uh, started coaching in 2018 um, on customer service, but on a practice management um, side of things too, just, you know, just teaching what I had developed through the years. Um, but uh, later last year, 2019, I just decided, you know what, customer, ser customer service is needed. Um, it's needed in so many businesses. Um, it's so valuable. Like I said, I've lived it. I understand it. Um, it was time to just niche down into teaching, coaching, consulting on customer service, um, and then broadening, broadening my scope of who I can work with. So I made that transition last year, and it's, it's been great. Fantastic. So you're also an author, and you wrote a book called Define and Deliver Exceptional Customer Service. Can you tell us about the book? And do you have a copy of it you can sort of put up and show us? I do, as a matter of fact. There we go. There it is. So, I like uh, the. That's really great. The, the frown face turned into the smile face. That, that tells it all. Exactly. So to me, that, that, that again, awesome. is part encompassing of what customer service should be, turning those frowny faces to smiling faces and uh, being proactive in customer service. But uh, the book is very simplistic. It just, and, and this is my philosophy in my coaching and consulting. So many businesses think customer service is hard. And it takes so much effort and it takes so much time. And yeah, it's a great idea, but I just, you know, the details of business are too overwhelming. I can't, you know, we can't do this. Um, and it, that, that is so untrue. It's not that hard. We just need to focus on some core concepts, some core philosophies, some core principles, and then some core actions that don't take much time, much effort to train and get going to make major results. My key statistic that I love to preach, and it's actually the, the title of my programs, the 5% bump programs is, and this is from Harvard Business School, this is not from me. They found out if a business will create a 5% increase in retention. So if they'll retain 5% more of their customers, it can lead to 25 to 95% increase in profits. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to change the customer service to bump up that retention rate by a measly, measly 5%, which it's always more than that, but a measly 5% and then reap the benefits because of it. But it goes back to that philosophy of serving, changing the customer service, moving from sales mindset to service mindset. And that's what that book's all about. Could you repeat that? That struck me so powerfully about the retention piece and how that translated into increased business. Would you give us that statistic again? I need to write that down. Absolutely. So if you increase your retention rate by 5%, okay, it can, gotcha. it can, it can lead to a 25 to 95% increase in profits. Unbelievable. That and the, and the, the reason it does that is because as you retain more, obviously, you get more referrals. 
So you're just building a business that way. Yes. And then as that becomes your marketing piece, as you're getting referrals and word of mouth, then you can mm. shift that money from the marketing and keep it in on your bottom line. So that's how it can make such a dramatic impact on the profits for a business. That is another excellent point. You know, throughout my entire restaurant career, I was not one who spent thousands of dollars on traditional marketing and advertising that I consider to be a shotgun approach. It was really about you know, building internal marketing through your team that then leads to amazing service, that then leads to incredible referrals and online reviews. And that is the most, will always be the most powerful form of marketing, I believe. So I'm really glad you brought up that point as well. Absolutely. Excellent. So anyone interested in reaching out or learning more about Dr. Kelly can just go to Dr. Dr. <laughs> drkellyhenry.com is your URL. Is that correct? That, that is correct. So Okay. Is there anything else you want to share that I may have missed that we didn't cover? No. Uh, just that, you know, customer service is important. Although, yes, there's one thing. Oh, because I, I, run up to, I run up to this all the time. Um, and it's, you know, when I, when I do presentations, you know, I'll ask the audience, hey, you know, do, do, does your business provide great customer service? And everybody, yes, waves their hand. Yes, we do. Um, but the problem is it, most businesses, have pieces of great customer service, but as a whole, they don't provide great customer service. And there's stats on this too, where mm. a business says we provide superior customer service, but the, the customer doesn't say the same thing. They do not perceive that same thing. So be careful with having those blinders. Be careful of thinking that, yeah, my business does have superior customer service. We are not seeing the holes, the gaps, the the issues, because if you can fill those those holes, those gaps, those problem areas, um, you'll be very ple pleasantly surprised on what can happen for a business on increasing that retention rate or the profits or the referrals or whatever the case may be. So just for the business owners, keep that in mind. Um, I don't care if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a digital marketer, whatever the case may be, uh, you provide better customer service. Um, and, and my goal and one of my sayings is I want to help businesses serve better to sell more. So if you serve better, again, you're going to be able to sell more regardless of what business you, you are in. That is a direct connection. Well, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Kelly. You've been a great guest. Thanks for joining us. That was the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. We will see everyone once again in the next episode. Stay tuned. Guys, I'm so glad you're enjoying the podcast. We're receiving really great feedback from, you know, a cross section of the industry on how this is really helping you, you know, with basics, with foundational elements that'll improve your business more important now than ever. And this episode with Dr. Kelly Henry was no exception. We, of course, focused on customer service, how, how you can deliver superior guest service experiences. And if you're looking for a system, please check out, you know, Dr. Kelly's book, and it's called Define and Deliver Exceptional Service. And if you want to take things a step further, we have a program called Sales Stars, which is a foundational element of not only delivering great customer service, which increases staff retention, increases customers, and uh, really drives bottom line performance to your business, double sales. It's all available in a turnkey package called Sales Stars at restaurantrockstars.com. Once again, we really appreciate you listening. Please leave us a review on iTunes if you enjoy what you're hearing, and we will see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com. See you next time.